Welcome everyone. You are listening to the I Am a Spartan podcast with your host, Scott Knowles. Enjoy the show. It will probably suck. <laughs> Scott the Fane Knowles. You're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR podcast. I got Will Hicks from World's Toughest Podcast on this interview. I really enjoyed it, and I hope you do too. Here it go. Will Hicks, what's going on today, man? Hey, Scott. How are you? Good, man. So, Will, if anybody listening doesn't know, Will runs a badass podcast called World's Toughest Podcast, and he also has started the OCR Report podcast as well, and has this cool website with all these neat little things on it. But before we dive into any of that, Will, tell us, you know, a little bit about Will, like where is Will hail from, and what does Will do for a living? I hail from San Diego. I, uh, I hear my dogs in the background. Um, We're a pet-friendly show. Yeah, well, that's good. I uh, I kind of do a couple things. My you know my main income comes from just some kind of businesses I've had you know over the years, and um, I started out of school as a scuba instructor. Oh, cool! And that was a ton of fun, but you can't eat fun, and you can't pay the rent with it. Right. So I did that for about eight years, and then uh, I got into commercial real estate. I sold commercial real estate for a while, and uh, kind of got to know the, the that business. And then that's kind of where I ended up after uh, after that. So, and then I got into OCR in 2012. My first uh, my first OCR was a Tough Mudder in Southern California, and it was great. And that's kind of what got me into it. And I can kind of tell you more about about that. Like I was only doing one or two a year until right. uh, um, World's Toughest Mudder 2015. I think a lot of people um, they see you know big races, whatever it is, whether it's the Spartan Championships or the OCR World Championships or World's Toughest Mudder, and they think, "Man, I'm not ready this year, but next year yeah. I'm gonna be ready." Right? And I, and I don't know if that's super common for everybody, but no, it was for me. And for my sister was my first running partner with, uh, with Tough Mudder. And so we did this, you know, two or three years. We're like, oh, I'm not ready this year, but next year. And then next year, mm-hmm. you know, we come to our, you know, regular Tough Mudder and we weren't, you know, we weren't ready for world. So we're like, I'm not this year, but next year. And we did that two or three times. And then one time after we ran, I think it was the first time we ran a Saturday and a Sunday, both, you know, both days on a weekend, which is kind of a big thing when you're first starting, you know, running two days in a row, but you don't want to run a second day. Right. Um, I just signed up. I was like, you know what? I'm not ready, but it's March and the race isn't until November. So I'll be ready by then. And so I just signed up and I wasn't really, honestly, I wasn't ready, uh, but I had fun and I didn't get hurt. And, you know, I, I uh, had a great experience and it was 2015. It was my first year I ran world's toughest. And it was also the first year they had a brunch after the race champions brunch. Mm-hmm. And I won a season pass. Oh, sweet. Uh, actually, my aunt won it. She was, she was my pit crew. She won a season pass. And she yeah. was like, well, I'm not running this. So she gave it to me. So the next year, I was like, well, shoot, I got this you know, $500, $600 season pass for free. Now I have to. Because I was just running one or two a year, you know, up right. to that point. Um, and so that was the first year, 20, 2016, when I really got into, you know, traveling for races and going, you know, to different states around and, um, you know, flying in, flying both races, and then, you know, flying out on a Sunday night. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of what really got me into it. And then, I've, you know, I've had a season pass Tough Mudder every year since then. Right. So, so is that a long answer to your question, I guess. Sorry. Is that when you decided to uh, start the podcast? Was 2015 or 2016? You know, the podcast, we, we started, the first episode was February or March of 2017. Okay. So I'd already run World's Toughest twice, I think, at the, by that point. Yeah, 15 and 16. So I'd run World's Toughest twice. I knew some people in the community. Uh, but I didn't know everybody right. and the problem I had, and again, I don't think it's uncommon. It's, it's not common for the elites, but, I, um, is I would, 
you know, I'd run, I'd, you know, work out all year long, but I wouldn't really train, you know, and it gets, a uh, you know, like October and I was like, Oh shoot, I gotta go, you know, start swinging kettlebells and I gotta, um, get after it. But by the time it gets to, you know, a, a month out from your race, whatever that race is, you know, we got what you got. Like you're gonna basically the last month is just don't get hurt. And so I was like, I need to get, I need to stay motivated all year long. And so, um, Matt Davis was doing, you know, he'd do his world's toughest podcast episodes or episodes about world's toughest mutter. And he'd do, you know, one or two previews maybe, and then two or three recaps. And, and then that was it. Basically that was it for world's toughest mutter content you know, yeah. for the year. The rest of the year was, you know, all OCR stuff, but I was like, man, I could, I wish he'd talk about world's toughest mutter all week long mm. and they're all year long. And then uh, there was a, there's an author, real well-known guy named Tim Ferriss, and he he has a quote or a line in one of his books, and he says, uh, when you're starting something, scratch your own itch. Like, what is it that you wish they were doing? Or you know, when, people are, when people will say something like, man, this would be a great business idea, or someone, yeah. should, really, someone should do this. Yeah. Well, you know, stop, stop talking about it and do it, man. Um, and that's what, and so after, you know, a couple of months of, I don't know how long I thought about it, but. I said, you know what? I'm going to start a podcast. <laughs> I didn't know anything about podcasts. I didn't own a microphone. I just, you know, I had a laptop computer. Yeah. And Same here. <laughs> so I got on. Yeah, right. It's and and honestly, and you know this, it's a podcast. All of the, literally every single person that's listening to this podcast right now could start their could own start podcast. A podcast if they exactly. knew how easy it was, like to just like what we're doing right now, just calling someone up, talking to them, recording it. Yeah. It's just an audio file. Like that's you right. have your phone is full of audio files, mm -hmm. right? The tricky part for me was how do I get this audio file <laughs> onto the internet? Exactly. Like how can I make iTunes like you know distribute this for me? Right. And it's it's a lot easier once you start. It's a lot easier than it for at least for me. I mean, like I was super intimidated, and it's not that complicated. Like you get you get you know two windows. You have YouTube in one side and your podcast, whatever software you're using, free software on the yeah. other, and you, you watch, I'm going to your, your YouTube, and you go into the other window and, and do what they just said, and you go back and forth, and my first, you know, my first episode, it probably took me four hours for, you know, for a one, 45 minute, one hour episode. Right. Um, but, and like, you know, um, and everyone else listening, I mean, there's like 87 OCR podcasts now, so everyone listening probably has one. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, anyway, it gets faster to do it. Hmm? Do what? Uh, and it gets it gets faster as you. Oh do. yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I and I, I think the the hardest part for me was is I was using this one platform and it likes it and it was free, and then like it come to like after my first year it was like okay we're not doing this free service anymore we'll give you till this date to move all of your files to somewhere else and I was like oh my god so I like pretty much was like about to give up and then i was like you know what i'm gonna figure this out and it took me a while to figure it out and like move all of my files but you know what it's like one of those things if you keep at it and keep doing it it's easy but if you do like an episode and then come back like a month later and do another one it's like you're going to come back to banging your head against the keyboard you know and be like why is this not working <laughs> yeah but I mean, it's something I enjoy, but it's not like something I, I definitely wouldn't want to do it for a living. I don't think because sure. I like doing, doing it when it inspires me or if I think of something like, yeah, I'd like to talk to that person and hear their story. You know, it's not something I you want would, to feel obligated to do. You've been doing it for a couple of years now, right? Like how, yeah. how long are you in your, I here's, think, the, here's the great thing about a podcast is it's an excuse to talk to whoever you want. Right. Like we both have OCR podcasts, so we could literally call any OCR athlete, like like you see on Instagram. We felt like, hey, you know, you want to do an interview? And yeah. nine times out of ten, they'll say yes. I've had, I can count the uh, the number of people who have told me no on one hand, right. and I'd have some extra fingers left over, right? Like everyone's generally happy to, yeah, yeah, whatever. It's it's you know low obligation and just chatting, and ninety percent of ninety five percent of the people are super cool, super friendly, in, in the whole industry, right? Right. Um, but it's also mostly. <laughs> But, but like it's an excuse. I had a guy on my podcast who does a, does a podcast just about pizza at McDonald's. I know that like, was like one of my favorite episodes you did. You're like McDonald's <laughs> doesn't serve pizza. Well, they did in the late '80s to early '90s. I listened to his podcast and it's hilarious. It is hilarious. So I said, you know what? I want to talk to this guy. I had no reason to talk to this guy. Like he has nothing to do with OCR. <laughs> but I we made like we talked about fueling strategies and. Ryan Woods on my podcast one time mentioned how he likes 
pizza, uh, pepperoni, like real food, and he likes pizza as for, for World Sub's mother. And so I was like, that's my in. Yeah. So like, and, anyway, anyway, it's an excuse to talk to whoever you want. Right. Like I totally had that wrote down because I wanted to ask you, like, because to me that out of all your episodes, that one is probably one of the ones that stands out. And I remember listening to it, and you know, you have a personality where. When you speak, you can say something sarcastic in a serious manner, and you're like, "Is he for real?" And so when you when I listen to that episode, I'm sitting here listening to this guy talk about McDonald's pizza, and I was like, "Is this guy for real? Is 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 Will is Will messing with this guy?" You know. <laughs> and like, then he gets to the plot of Willow Two, and I'm like, "Okay, this guy's like, he's out there." <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. like, that was yeah. just hilarious. Willow too. It's good stuff. It, it's it good was. Stuff. I, it was definitely good stuff. That's that's. I don't know. That's one of the ones that it literally has nothing to do with OCR, but it was fun and people remember it. So. Oh man, it was great. It was great. Totally great. But so, yeah, I think I've been doing. I want to say I might have started in 2017 too. Either 2017 or 2018. I can't remember. I think it was 2017. Anyway, so once you made world's toughest podcast and you know you were really putting out a lot of episodes like when that got competitive because i I guess you had more reason to talk to more elites and all that is is that what made you decide once world i mean once tough mutter quit giving out prizes is that what made you kind of lean towards the ocr report for starting that you'd have to to look at the exact like schedule for uh, let me tell you how I remember it, and you have to look at the timeline of when you can look at the episodes on iTunes when they came out. But what happened was when I started World Service Podcast, like very beginning, it wasn't to talk about competition stuff. It was to talk to members of the community right. and to you know keep you know motivation up for World Service Mother and just make it like a year long thing, right? Right. Well, it just so happened when I started World Service Podcast, like a month later, they announced Toughest Mutter and Tougher Mutter and all these brand new like prize series and competitive events. And, and that was, you know, before, you know, before 2017, it was, it was a 10 mile tough mutter yeah. and it was maybe the kid mutter. And I think they had the tough mutter half at the time. Like those are your, maybe, I don't know if the half was just starting. Anyway, those are like your off that and world stuff is mutter. That was it. Right. Right. And then right after I started is when all of this, the competitive series started. And it was just great for me. Cause I, I could talk about race results and I could talk about, you know, elites, and we had Spartan athletes crossing over, and it was it was great just for content and for good interviews and interesting stuff to talk about. Yeah. Um, but after a while, I figured out, or it was pretty obvious that, um, you know, there's only there's there's a lot of people who are only interested in Spartan races, which is fine. There's a lot of people who are only interested in Tough Mudder. Right. But I would never, I would never get those people to listen to my show just because it was only about Tough Mudder. And I was like, well, I want to talk to those people too. Uh, and, you know, I'm already talking with OCR. The, the content really wasn't that different. Um, but just, I, I, you might have the same thing too. Like your, your show is called I Am a Spartan. Like, I, I don't know if you, you maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong, but you probably don't have a ton of, you know, hardcore Tough Mutter guys that, that follow you or listen to it. Well, I mean, I, I, I branch out. I'll, I'll talk to some people about like Savage and Rugged and, and you know, uh, tough mutters as well but i mean mostly you know it it mostly does you know go towards the spartan side for sure and and part of it was the world stuff podcast was it was mainly about it still is about world stuff mutter right the one single race right and when i first started getting reviews on itunes my first two reviews that weren't five stars were about how's he gonna they weren't even like about the show they were like about the idea of the show like you can't have a show just about one race. He's going to run out of content. <laughs> I was like, "All right, man. We'll we'll see." Challenge accepted. Um, but but okay. So when I, but when we started the OCR report, it was mainly about the elite racing side of it. Right. I, I firmly believe, uh, you know, this last couple of years have been, or maybe a year and a half, has been tough for the sport. But I think the future of the sport is in the elite competitive stuff. You know, when when uh, someone who's not into OCR wants to watch wants to sit on the couch. They don't want to watch teamwork and camaraderie. No, they, they don't want to watch Ryan Atkins versus John Alvin or Lindsay Webster versus Nicole Miracle. They want to see a race, right? Yep. Um, so, and when you get, you know, so if that's what they're going to have on TV, that's what, you know, sponsors want to be 
you know, where the, the TV is and, and that's where the viewers are. And that's, so I, I firmly believe the future of the sport is there, right? It's not just in events, especially with, with the, um, you know, as you and I are talking, we're in the kind of the middle of this coronavirus thing. Yeah, it's crazy. And we're, I don't know where we are and the, you know, we won't know until we look back, like where, when it started, when it did that kind of thing. But as we're talking, people are starting to talk about reopening up and maybe at 25% capacity or 50% capacity, right? But yeah. restaurants, you have to have social distancing six feet apart. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that look like on a Tough Mudder course or on a Spartan course? Yeah. How can like, it Spartan- possibly be on a Spartan or Tough Mudder course? I mean, like, how right. is that going to work? Spartan, you can maybe see it with the elites, right? They can, maybe. You know, they're not, they're in little packs maybe at the beginning. But with Tough Mudder, like, you've been out there, like, there's there's a line of sometimes 40, 50 people deep yeah. at, a, at, you know, two sets of walls. Oh, people yeah. are pushing each other up. People are crawling through mud, going, yeah. you know, in and out of, you know, sh- pushing each other up or pulling each other up behind them. Like, how does that look with social distancing? Right. And, and take just that eat. And it's like, and, and you say, and, and from an elite point of view, I mean, if all they do is just an elite heat or whatever, I mean, they're not going to be able to stay in business because the open heats are what keep them alive, you know. And it's the same way at Spartan, you know, the open heats. I mean, they're just backed up at the obstacles, you know, just like at any other OCR race. So, I mean, me personally, and I'm a glass half full guy. And, but just the condition that, you know, we're in now, I don't think there'll be an OCR race until everybody's back at work unrestricted. I mean, I I just don't see an OCR race happening. And I hate to say that, but. Yeah, we're, you know, we're talking end of April. Uh, There hasn't been, there were a few Spartan races at the beginning of the year, like January, February. Yep. But they got canceled pretty, you know, the season hasn't had a race in three years. And really the 2020 season hasn't, you know, it had a handful of races. It had one U.S. National Series race. It had a few, you know, just a few, like a handful, like less than 10 probably worldwide. Maybe maybe not. So I don't know. Like, I'm optimistic. I think the sport, I don't think the sport's going anywhere. But I'm sure Spartan's getting just like just beaten up right now. Yeah, destroyed. And, oh man, I feel so bad. Like they, they all this drama with Tough Butter. Yeah. Like, for six months, nine months, however long it lasted, they finally get it all worked out in February this year, and then mm-hmm. like I'm, like they had like two weeks of peace. Yeah. Two weeks of like, hey, this is gonna go great. Yeah, we and, gotta figure out what we're gonna do with Tough Mudder. We just bought them, and we're starting this deck of shit, and. You know, we bought this mountain bike series over here. We're going to own the world. And then this horrible pandemic comes. And I imagine everybody at Spartan headquarters and Tough Mudder headquarters are probably in oh shit mode right now. What yeah, do we do? Now, if, anyone can, if anyone can figure it out, like, I would not bet against Joe DeSena, right? And yes, Kyle McLaughlin. With Kyle's help. Yeah. Standing job of CEO Tough Mudder. I wouldn't bet against those guys. Yeah. But you can, you can see... You know, who, you know who I've been paying attention to is Sam Abbott from Savage Race. Yes. And he's been very open. Like, hey, this is hurting us. Like, we are struggling. And they're they're um, doing these Savage Anywhere races. You can go right. to savage.com or savagerace.com and, you know, do virtual races uh, that I've seen a lot of people doing, which is great. But I think that exact same emotion that Sam's dealing with is what, and I'm sure is is going on at, at Spartan HQ right now. It's going on in businesses all over the country. I don't want to be, you know, and obviously OCR isn't as important as lives. I'm not. I'm not trying to say that, but we're obviously talking OCR right now. Right. Um. But yeah, it's just a, it's just a weird time right now. In sport. Yeah. Now I got to give Sam some, and I've never met the guy. I mean, I've heard interviews with him, you know, and I saw his video when he decided not to do the Florida race. And I mean, I mean, my hats off to him. I mean, that race was already set up and it was like, it was two or one or two days before the race and he canceled it because of the news of how this virus was spreading was out. So that Saturday before that, that race, they had the Gate River Run in Jacksonville, Florida. And the Gate River Run, I think, had... 14,000 runners there. So you're talking about the weekend before he was going to put on Savage Race. Jacksonville had 14,000 runners at a race. And I'm sure he knew that. And he decided, nope, we're going to shut this, we're going to shut this race down. And I mean, 
that was probably a hard decision because, I mean, me personally, with that race just taking place and the word of this virus getting out, it would have been hard not to go ahead. That race, I mean, the race is already set up. It would have been hard not to go ahead and just let that race go. So, I mean, yeah. that that had to have been a major tough decision for him. And you could see it in the video when he was talking about closing the race. You could tell that that, that hit hard to him to do that. So, my hat's definitely off to that dude because you know he cares. Yeah. And, and like Sam and um, Spartan's doing some stuff. Uh, deck is doing work like anything you we can right now to support the companies that support ocr uh you can go buy some mud gear socks or go buy some ascent protein go the companies that are that are putting money into that have put money into ocr or are sponsoring ocr athletes or you know the actual you know uh spartan has been amazing about the people that bought a season pass for tough mudder or bought you know races for tough oh yeah applying them for 2021 like getting back three races and i don't i don't know that you know i can i couldn't list you the details but you know if you go buy a race right now, or pay for a race right now even if the race gets canceled they're gonna make it right they're gonna make you whole so yeah, yeah support the uh the companies that support us here yeah just speaking of that i've got an email today for because i bought a season pass for 2020 and they sent out an email to the season pass holders that says, here's you a code attached to my email to where when I sign into the store, I can get 20% off of anything in the store. So, I mean, that's pretty awesome too. And and I want to say it was either a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if this deal's still going on, but you could either spend $350 in the store and you'd get a free trifecta pass or you could buy one, get one free on a trifecta pass too. And I mean, that's a good deal. So Joe has, I don't know how many hundreds of races he does a year, right? Spartan Race does a year. Yeah. But they have to order all the T-shirts and all the metal, all Metals. that swag. All that, you have to order all that ahead of time, right? It's not like they go check the warehouse and buy some the week before. Yeah. So he has where buildings full of swag, I'm sure. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah, buy some buy some shirts. Buy a, buy a face mask, buy a gator or whatever, or a, a buff to cover your face. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, it's crazy. But, I mean, and just part of me in the back of my head is thinking, I hope they can make it out of this to, you know, whenever they will be able to start a season or to do a next race. I mean, I mean, can, will they be able to survive if there's not a 2020 race? I mean, it's super scary, man. It, you know what? It's, it's scary and it's unsettling. Um, I haven't. Let's. Okay. I'm, I'm fully confident World's Toughest Motor is going to happen this year. Right. November is seven months right. from right now as we're talking i have i have i'm very confident it's gonna happen. i can't guarantee you promise anything but i'm planning on it i'm planning on being in dallas world status matter well the good uh, thing is, is i think texas is st- one of the states that's opening back up earlier than the rest of them yeah like, like us in georgia uh, we are yeah and that and i think that honestly that plays uh that's how that's optimistic for you know it happening but even like let's say worst case scenario worst case scenario let's say there's no races for all of 2020 rest the rest of the year right right i i spartan i have no doubt in my mind they'll be back in 2021 not a doubt in my mind i think so too Uh, they i have i have anyway there's not a doubt in my mind even even if the and again i'm saying worst case scenario is is this year now maybe it's if it goes on two, three, four, I don't know how long this could last or how long it takes to develop a vaccine. I don't know any of that stuff. But if if there were no races for the rest of this year, I have no doubt in my mind Spartan will be back next year, you know, raring to go, you know, running through walls. Yeah, I think they got enough, you know, popularity to where if it come down to where there's nothing but a skeleton crew left when they are given the go-ahead to start doing races again, they will be able to get it back and up and running pretty swiftly i mean 2021 may not be and and this is worst case scenario if if it comes to where they don't put on a race until 2021 i feel like they will be able to get back up to speed but it may not be like a 2021 that they would have expected but i think that it it, at least in the u.s they will have a good year and you know what we're we're you, most of us are thinking of Spartan races as we've seen them in the past. Right. Yeah, you know, they could do stuff. They could have a, a rolling start line where yeah. you don't start. There's no giant wave. It's you show up 
and you have to cross the finish the start line between 9 a.m. and 10 a.m. Yeah. Anytime, you know, or they give you a five minute window and, yeah. and you have your five minutes. There's like, I don't know. And they have like six foot sh- spaces in the shoots. And this way, like they could. Yeah. Kind of like OCR worlds does away. it. They let like 10 or 12 go off at one time. And then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's ways to work it out. Like, it could be done. Yeah. And I just, I just posted a, uh, there's an article in today's paper, wall street journal about, do you need to wear a mask when you're running? Like, is it, is it like required, like not legally, but, but for health reasons, should you wear a mask? And basically it comes down to, no, you don't, That's you're crazy. outside. Uh, as long as you're, as long as you're the ma- more important than the mask, I shouldn't important than the mask is hmm. maintaining space, you know, keep, keep space between you and other people while you're running. Yeah. Um, now you have to, it's kind of, I, I kind of think it's like a, uh, like a life jacket. Like when you go out on the boat, like you don't wear your life jacket. You have it under the, you have it, you have one with you. Right. And if you need to get one, if the, if someone says something, you can put it on, if you have yeah. it, but you have it with you. Right. And I think that's the same thing with the mask, like bring one with you. And if someone's making a stink, you can put it on. Right. But the most, the most important part is maintaining space between you and well, not, you know, not playing at the playground with letting your kids play with other people right now. Yeah. With a hundred kids. I mean, and I understand it, but, but here in Georgia, so today we're starting, I guess what they call the first phase, like, I think Friday, like hair salons could open back up and some other businesses. But today, I believe they're letting like sit down, dine restaurants are opening today. And oh, wow. I think the waiters and waitresses, they have to wear a face mask and gloves to serve you. But I mean, the people that are sitting down and eating, I don't think they have to wear anything. So, I mean, you're telling me that that's safer then going for a run without a mask on? Come on. But so, yeah, you can go bowling in the state of Georgia now. You can go play golf, but, like, the Appalachian trailheads are still shut down in North Georgia. Huh. Isn't that crazy? You know what should be killing it right now? Drive-in movie theater should be killing it right now. I agree. I agree. I think they're going to open up movie theaters around here sometime soon, too, man. That seems a pretty easy way to catch it. Just, well, you have to catch it. But <laughs> if they wanted to, they could just like, you know, Skip lock every off every, thir- every you know two out of three seats or whatever, and unless you're with your family or you know with the, on a date or something. But um, here's my thing: is is you know a lot of those theaters, you know, they got that cold AC, and I mean, you you necessarily can't feel the air blowing, but if some dude sneezes in there, you know, it's just going <laughs> over the whole crowd, you know, and there's no way around it. Uh, that was in a movie. Uh, Outbreak or Contagion. Or, I can't watch those. Have you seen it? Like, for a while, when this uh, quarantine first started, everyone was watching all the Outbreak and Quarantine and Medical Police. Yeah. And I was I, I put on Outbreak. It was on Netflix. And I watched, like, five minutes of it. And I was like, this is not entertaining. This is this is the real life we're living right now. Yeah. And this is no. not. It's like if we were invaded by aliens, I wouldn't want to watch Independence Day. Like, it's just, no, it's real life, and it's not entertaining. Yeah, I want to say there's, like, one, I think the show's called Contagion, maybe, or Quarantined, but it's actual, like, they pretty much barricade off Atlanta, Georgia, to the people that are sick on the inside of it, and they won't let nobody come out. So, that one hits really close to home. I mean, I live in South Georgia, but still, I mean, it it's a crazy time, you know, and I bet in California, they prob- y'all's restrictions are probably a way more strict than they are in Georgia, I imagine. Yeah, they just started. Our governor wants to run for president in four years. So he's, you know, being super, I don't know. Anyway, but they just started. Like, you can go to the beach now, but you can't stop. Right. Like, you're not allowed to stop moving. You yeah. have to walk or run or you can't sit down. You can't uh so, I mean, that's something at least. Well, that's about the way it is here. Are y'all missing Arnold Schwarzenegger being governor there? You know, it doesn't really matter who our governor is, it seems <laughs> like. It's always just taxes and super expensive gas. and How much is y'all's gas? Everything has a cancer warning on it. How much is gas uh, over there? Yeah, how much is gas? Oh, I said the cheap stuff was four bucks the other day. You're shitting me. That's a true story. Dude, so like... The gas is super cheap over here right now, and it's weird because, like, my girlfriend, she lives about an hour, 45 minutes north of me, 
And uh, like closer to where she lives, I can get gas for a dollar thirty nine a gallon. But here in the town I live in, it's like a dollar sixty. Isn't that insane? If I saw gas, if I saw gas for a dollar thirty nine, I would fill up my bathtub. (laughs) Man. Four dollars. It, it's has it got to be about the city, man. Is it the whole state like that, or is it just because San Diego's a big well, popular city? San Diego's city? probably more expensive too. And then yeah, you know, as you start going east to get away from the coast, it gets a little bit cheaper. But the taxes are the same no matter where you are in the state. So right. Hmm. So well, all right, Will, man. I know that you uh you hurt your arm in a tough mutter over there. Was it in California you hurt it at? I did. I did. That was uh, last fall. It was um, three weeks before World's Toughest Mudder. Oh, man, that sucked, didn't it? It did. It did. Uh, it's two of the last three years I got hurt, like right before World's Toughest Mudder. So this year, my plan, it's its pretty easy to do this year. My plan was to not run any OCRs until World's <laughs> Toughest Mudder. So I've just, you know, I did one trail race at the beginning of March, like literally, literally like a week before everything got shut down. Sounds like you jinxed uh, everybody. Yeah, yeah, that was my fault. If Will can't run any OCRs, no one is. (laughs) (laughs) It's for your own good. No, I was super sad that there's no race to talk about. Um, But no, I had surgery and the whole deal. And uh, I was in a giant splint for three weeks. I couldn't Mm. get it wet. I couldn't sweat. I couldn't get my heart rate up. Wow. And then I was in a smaller thing for three more weeks. And then after that, uh, I had had some light exercises and... It was real scary when I had the injury and I go to the doctor and the first doctor said, you have a choice. You can either uh, get the surgery, but, or you, she's like, she's like, what do you, you know, what do you do? And I told her what I did. And she's like, but then we talked about OCR also. And she's like, well, how much strength do you need for that? I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, you could do nothing. And the muscles around the uh, ligament that, that tore or that ripped will like compensate and over time you will regain strength and full mobility, but you will not get regain all your strength. You will have 20% less strength in that arm for the rest of your life. Mm. If you do nothing, if you don't have the surgery, I was like, what if I have the surgery? She's like, you'll regain all your strength. She's like, but you will lose 20% of your mobility for the rest of your life. Mm. I was like, Oh my gosh, like I'm not that old. Like the rest of my life is a long time. Right. And so that kind of freaked me out. I was like, do I want 20% less strength or 20% less mobility? So I got a second opinion from another doctor, and he had had the exact same surgery on both of his arms. And I was like, well, what about the reduced mobility? Like, you're a surgeon. Uh, he's like, yeah, there's a chance of it, but, <laughs> you know, I can, I can still do surgery with, you know, the surgery with this being done on both my arms. So that made me feel a lot better about it. So I did it. It was a, it was a long kind of recovery process, but it was during the off-season, and um, anyway, I'm happy. And I, you know what? I talked about it on my podcast. I was like, this is what I'm going through. This yeah, is a really decision I have to make. And I got so much good, like quality feedback from people on both sides. Like I had people like firmly do not get the surgery. Like huh. it's not worth the risk of losing mobility. And I had people that came to me and said, I had the surgery. It's the best thing I did. I'm so happy I did it. Um, I can't imagine not doing it. And so I had like sincere, like quality you know, counsel on both sides. And I was like, Oh man, what do I do? So, I mean, I got the surgery. I'm glad I did. I can't, you know, make the decision for somebody else if they get the same injury. The injury was, uh, I tore the tendon between my bicep and my elbow. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it was on funky monkey going across the water. Mm. I didn't do anything wrong. I was just swinging and, uh, I was at like a weird angle and, you know, you kind of swing from ring to ring and yeah. just for one second, all the weight was on my back arm and I was kind of twisted. And I heard a snap Ooh. like a wet stick. Ow. So I dropped in the water like immediately, and I just kind of carried it out. But, you know. So you think you've um, got a hundred percent recovery in it? You know what? I'm probably at like ninety five. Like I don't, I don't feel any pain. I feel like I have full mobility. I'm, as we're talking right now, I'm twisting my arms. Right. Um, you know, if you hold, you hold your arms in front of you, like with your elbows against your side, but your palms straight up, flat in front of you, mm-hmm. and you rotate your hands toward the middle like like so your palms are up the rotator so your palms are down it's, it's my right arm when i do that in my forearm i can feel a little like tight. pressure like it's like it doesn't want to go all the way like it does in my, my other arm but there's no pain yeah. so i mean i can type and, and write and do what i need to do without, without even noticing it so i mean and that might be just because you had it you know in a cast and you know not where you couldn't move it too i mean it just might have been the stiffness from 
having it in one place for a long time too. Yeah, I think. I mean, I've been out of cast for a while now. Um, probably a couple months. I've been out of cast, so it's. I don't know if this is as good as it gets. I think I'm fine. I would say if I lost any mobility, it's you know two percent. So right on, man. Barely noticeable. So, uh, Will, I got a bunch of questions that I made up that I made specifically for you, just because I wanted to ask them. <laughs> okay. So, uh, to this date, you know, which world's toughest mutter? has been the most important to you which year and why so i would say for me and maybe for anyone the first year just the 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 hardest obstacle is just signing up right like it's it's really it's it's expensive it's you know depending on you sign up it's you know at least 400 bucks maybe as much as 550 or six if you wait till the last minute it's an expensive race right say it's 500 bucks that's a lot of money to put in the line for a really hard race where you have a high chance of failure or of not, you know, you're not supposed to run for 24 hours, right? That's not natural. It's the body's not designed for that. Right. Um, and it's hard and it's, and it's mentally challenging just to sign up for it. So for me, I think, you know, the first one was kind of getting over that hump. Um, and I've been back every year since, uh, except for last year when I had the surgery. Um, so I'd say the first one, my, my favorite one or my best one was 2018. Uh, a few years ago, I started running it with friends of mine, uh, guys I went to school with guys I used to work with. And, you know, we all used to be in like, great. We were like our, you know, late teens, early twenties. We were all in like amazing shape and right. we're all in our, you know, late thirties, early forties now. And, you know, we're not, you know, teenagers anymore. But we're still, you know, we have fun, and, and uh, it's it's more about us. It's the one time a year we see each other. One, one guy lives in South Carolina, another guy lives in Colorado, another guy lives in Wisconsin. And so, um, anyway, so in 2018, we, we were running as a team, like an official team, a four-man team, and we ended up finishing in third place, um, two spots behind Ryan Atkins and his team. So That's right. That was, a, that was a pretty cool experience. It was one of my, probably my top I don't know, probably the pinnacle of my, you know, physical achievements I'll ever do. But it was, it was great. It was, it was a lot of fun. That was a year in Atlanta. It was super, super cold, right? First year in Atlanta, super, super cold. We went, you know, the whole 24 hours, the full all night long. I don't think we actually made it 24 hours. I think we stopped before actually 12 noon. But, um, you know, we did we did the however many hours, 20 hours, 22 hours. Um and it was great. It was, yeah, it was super cold. It's coldest I've ever been at a race, in an OCR race. Um, so cold. And it's Atlanta. Like, we all, you know, we think of Georgia as, like, muggy and hot. And yeah, hot Atlanta. Atlanta, as everyone <laughs> loves to say. Uh, but it was not that at all. It was very cold. Man, Georgia's weird. Like, this morning, it was, like, high 40s. And last week, we had a day that was in the 90s. So, I mean. Yeah. It's just seem to make up your mind. Yeah, it's just it's the way it goes, you know. It's it's one of those things like when an OCR comes to town, expect the worst weather because <laughs> that's usually how it goes. So, Will, when when the weather was that cold, like what kept you going, like in those witching hours, as they call it, you know, and you're getting tired. I mean, was it just your 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 group as friends, just that camaraderie? helping each other like no we're not going to quit we're going to keep going like what helped you, you know, move so we, forward it absolutely did so we had the four of us right and at, at some point during the night or during the during the race every one of us every one of us individually was like you know what i'm done like i need to i need to i'm done but the other three were like okay okay one more lap and then you know by the time we did one more lap that guy was fine and then somebody else would be like oh i'm done and so it was the team really kept us in. But there was one time, I don't know, it was probably two thirty, three in the morning. The, the, the thing about World Stuff 2018 is that, the, at least for us, the coldest we got was when we stopped moving and when we were in the pit. Right. And, we, you know, we would sit down and you try and warm up or eat some, you know, uh, ramen soup noodles. or, <laughs> yeah, ramen noodles or hot chocolate or something to try and warm up. But while you're sitting there and you're not moving, you just get cold so fast, even if you have blankets on or even if you have whatever. So one time we were in there and we had, we all had blankets on, we're all piled up and we're all freezing and shivering and we're in chairs and we have, you know, dry robes on and do anything we can to stay warm while we're kind of refueling. And 
we all kind of started dozing off and you know we're in we're in one of like a 10 by 10 pop-up with walls and one of our pit crew uh, one of the guy's wives um she's like you guys need to go you guys need to go. and she just she kicked us out like she physically like kicked us out of our tent and so we're walking up the hill toward the start line or just past the start line and we look at each other and we're like what just happened like we were comfortable and we were starting to you know fall asleep and um and she like would not let us stop so i mean that was that was the closest probably we came to stopping because we were just so tired at that one pit stop Hmm. so so i guess guess the answer to your question is like how do you make it through the witching hours at least for us it's like having good people around you and having a pit crew that'll uh, keep you honest Hmm. so what was the part about atlanta 2019 that sucked the most you missed you know what so I was not at 2019, so... I was there, Will. I was ready to meet you in person, and <laughs> my first Tough mutter ever, I was there, and you weren't. You let me down. Well, I'm, I'm very <laughs> sorry. I'm very sorry I missed you, Scott. I understood. You know um, it's it's The race is great. The race is always great, but it's the it's the camaraderie. It's the people. It's the... Um, it's it's kind of, it's not a full week, but it's, all, it's like five days. The whole... You know, if you, if you really want to do World's Toughest mutter. Yeah, there's the race, which is one day, and there's the champions brunch the next day, which you, you really should do if it's your first time or if you've never done it before. But if you can swing it, there's like three or four days before and um, two days after the race, there's events, community events hmm. going on you know, every night or every morning. And uh, it's just seeing the people and it's um, hanging out and, and then suffering together and, and then telling the stories afterwards. That's the uh, that's what makes it so fun. Yeah. So this was my first, like I said, this is my first race going to, and like this year they had the hot lap and, you know, I was planning on doing the, a Spartan ultra that was like the week after that. So they did that hot lap and I was like, well, cool, I'll go do the hot lap. And then I signed up a shift volunteer during, you know, the big race. And I've got to say, you know, and I don't know if it's going to change now that Spartan's in control. I hope not. And, and it might have just been because this was their their biggest event, too. But it was the best volunteer experience at a race I've ever had. I mean, they took care of us. And I don't know how many races I volunteered for Spartan. But after volunteering at World's Toughest Mudder, it, it would be hard to go back to a Spartan race and volunteer again. I mean, that, that, I mean it was night and day difference on how the volunteers were taken care of. Right. And it's, and it was, and it was like you said too, just being a volunteer on that course, you know, at an obstacle and seeing the runners, you know, doing their loops, you saw the same faces, you saw the struggles they were going through. You saw the teamwork. I got to encourage teamwork. It was just, it was fun volunteering, you know, and uh, it was it was very enjoyable being out there during that race and being a part of it, even though I didn't run it, which that yeah, was that was cool to me. I, I say it in the intro to World Service Podcast, but I mean it. It's I think it's the single greatest event in OCR. Um, you know, there's other things, there are other great races and other great events, but if you had to pick one thing to go to, that's the uh, that's the one that that I would choose. Yeah, and even once my shift was over, I just hung around in the pit and were just watching the racers and talking to people that I knew. And, I mean, it was it was like a party. It was like a race. And it was like you were out there with family and you were all having a good time. There's music playing at two different places. It was, it was just awesome, man. I hated I had yeah. to leave early. Yeah, and people are like, oh, I can't run for 24 hours. Well, you don't have to run for 24 hours. You can huh. walk. Uh, or you can pit, like you can go out there and support somebody. So yeah, I, I, anyway, it's a great, great event. I love it. Or you can go out there, run a lap, hang out for an hour or two, and then go run another lap and just go and enjoy it and have fun. You know, that's an expensive two laps though. But it but is, yeah, right. it is. But shoot, a lot of people don't even do that much. You know, so I mean, it is an expensive two laps. But think about all the memories you make. It, I mean, it's. I mean, and I'm a cheapskate, but I mean, when you think about how good of a time you have out there, you know, it's worth it. You know, it's worth totally it. Totally agree. But, uh, so, 
all right, Will, I already talked to you about, you know, where do you think, you know, OCR is going this year, but what do you think now that Spartan is in control or somewhat has, I mean, Kyle's still in charge of World's Toughest Mudder, but what do you think World's Toughest Mudder is going to be like in 2020 in Texas? And do you think Texas is going to be a good breeding ground for World's Toughest? I think I am so looking forward to to Texas. I, I I haven't run the venue yet, but I love Texas and I love Dallas. I used to live in East Texas near Tyler for five years. Um, I think it's I think it's going to be great. I can't wait. Um, as far as like what the difference is with Spartan now in charge, I, I really they've said it. I, I'm taking them at their word that Kyle's running the show, and uh, I think. You know any decision? I don't. I don't think we're going to see, you know, spear throws at World's Toughest, or <laughs> you know, it's. I don't think it's going to be. If if no one had told you Spartan bought Tough Butter, I don't think anyone would notice this. You know, this year. Um, I, other I than, so other than they have more money behind them now, and we didn't. You know, we didn't know it at the time, but Tough Butter was had some financial struggles. You know, while we were all enjoying it, having great races. There was some behind-the-scenes stuff that we didn't know about at the time that that they're not going to have to deal with anymore. Now, there's obvious. That's I, I say that you know, aside from all this coronavirus stuff, there's every company, Spartan included, I'm sure, is having to deal with you know financial issues and uh, answering questions. So, you know, I don't know. I don't if if there's any if there's any uh, in 2015 they had. I'm sorry, 2016, they had a giant, um, they called it the A-frame at the time. But basically, it was Mike Mutterhorn. Right. The uh, Mutterhorn obstacle at World's Toughest Mutter, 2016, right? And it was bigger than Mutterhorn is now. It was like a big thing. It was a, a iconic, giant obstacle. And then 20, the next year, 2017, they didn't have it. And everyone was expecting it. Like, oh, well, that's not mm-hmm. there. What are they going to replace it with? And we looked around and we're like, well, they just kind of, that was the last year in Vegas, and there were, we, we looked around. And people were saying, you know, it seems like they didn't spend as much money this year as they did last year on the race, and we didn't know why. We didn't know if that was it was true or not, but um, that's just kind of what it was—the perception. If there is any of that this year, I, it's you've got to attribute it to the coronavirus stuff, right? Um, I think whether there's a giant A-frame or not, whether there, you know. Whether there's whatever they do, the world's toughest mutter is not about the obstacles. And the obstacles are great; they're the literally the best obstacles in the sport. The world's toughest mutter, right? There's obstacles that are only at world's toughest mutter. There's one called Twin Peaks in 2018. I loved it. You go up a uh, up an angled thing, you go down an angled thing, and you're you're going down on a rope, and you have to cross a gap right. onto another angled incline thing so so you're hanging on to two ropes and you have your two feet on separate things and if you slip you fall down the middle and you fall into the water water great mm-hmm. obstacle only seen at world stuff as matter world Center has the best obstacles but it's not just about the obstacles it's about the community it's about the camaraderie it's about the you know getting that brown bib at 50 miles um so i don't know what world stuff is going to look like this year um but i'll be there either way and then next year is going to be great next year will be I've, they were. I think they were planning on this year being kind of a bounce back year, right? Um, and they'll they'll do it. They'll just do it next year. We'll just bump the schedule year, and uh, it'll be fun. Whatever. It's not ideal. It's not how anyone would want it this this year to go. Obviously, but it'll work out. I think whatever capacity world's toughest mutter happens in 2020, I think it will be. I think it'll be a sold out race, just because. I think there'll be more people there than were at Atlanta in 2019, and the reason why is is because. Every, all of this is building up right now. Like all the people are, are wanting to race and having like world's toughest motor towards the end of the year is, it's just going to be an epic event. I feel like, so I think at whatever capacity, if you're not doing nothing, but just jumping over walls and doing cheesy little obstacles, whatever they can put out there. I think it's just going to be a great party event no matter what because people are just going to be ready to do something. And you know what? They're selling tickets right now. It's in November. It's seven months away. You, everyone listening right now, you still have time to train. 
and you're probably cooped up and you're like, I, I need a race. I need something on my calendar to train for or to motivate me or to look forward to. Well, man, do it. It's the first week of November. You got plenty of time to train. You got nothing else to do right now. You're stuck in your house with your kids. Um, get out there and, you know, go run some five mile loops. And we're definitely so, no, saving I think, I think money it's, on and, and travel. Right, it's in November. It's in November. So not only do you have time to train, you have time to let this virus stuff kind of dissipate and hopefully it'll, it'll all be gone by November. And, uh, I can't imagine they're going to make anyone run in masks or anything crazy like that, but maybe they do. I don't know, whatever. It's just another obstacle. That's fine. Yeah. Instead of like a, a bib or a headband, everybody's got a mask with a number on it. That's a great <laughs> idea. That's a great idea. There you go. So, um, uh, we'll, as a podcaster, do you have a favorite episode or, a certain guest that you've had on before that you enjoy interviewing? Uh, you know, I, I only, I've said this before and I, I hope it's still true. I've only have people on the show that I like, um, that like, I don't, I don't really want to have someone interview, interview someone just because they're a newsmaker or, right. you know, they just, because they want, I only I have people that I want to, learn from or to talk to or to hear about how they did at this race or maybe it's, a, it's someone I've never talked with before and I don't know if, if they're you know a cool person or not but um so I don't want to slight any of any of the I mean every literally I think every single person I've ever had I've enjoyed talking with right um so you know some Joe DeSena was a memorable one first time I talked to him were you doing uh, the burpees <laughs> yeah he was he was in town for a I don't know what he was doing some conference or something and Matt Davis, he hooked me up with his cell phone number and, uh, he put in a good word for me and he's like, Hey, Joe, this guy wants to interview you. And Joe's like, yeah, sure. So I show up at his hotel and I'm wearing like jeans and a polo. <laughs> I have my microphone and he's like, and he's in like, you know, shorts and a t-shirt in the, you know, the little like hotel gyms, like little small little room. <laughs> and yeah. at like 11 in the morning, he's the only guy in there. And he's like, Here's the deal. I'll answer questions as long as you're doing burpees. And I was like, "Oh, I can do that. That's no big deal." <laughs> well, like he, like his second question, I'm already dying. And so he he let me switch to curls instead. So I had I don't know how five pound weights. No, it was more than five. But I was literally just doing curls for probably like thirty minutes, and I you know, I switch arms. But man, my arms were like just on fire for a week after that so and you can hear when doing the burpees i'm out of breath it's anyway it's it's probably on my end the worst interview i've done but uh joe's always good he's always he's very honest he's very straightforward and uh i always enjoy talking to joe the pizza episode's good um yeah it was i mean you know i had some other kind of notable ones but um i always like talking with uh and there's some i don't know there's some athletes that over time you become friends with and uh it's always great to have them on although you want to be careful not to you know overdo it right um because then it just you don't want to overexpose the athlete you don't want people to get sick of the same hearing you talk to yeah but i mean honestly like i could listen to ryan atkins every day or every week you know i could listen to if amelia boone had a podcast i'd listen to it right Right. so chris mendoza those people like yeah right like especially the guys that are funny and the guys that are smart and the guys that know their craft. Yeah. Like there's, um, some people are just better uh, at conversating than others too. Yeah. And there's some people that you talk with them and they're so good, but it's almost like you have to pull it out of them. Yeah. So, um, anyway, no, I don't know if I've had, I mean, I say, I don't want to say I've never had a bad interview. I'm sure I have, but I haven't had any where I'm like, Oh man, that was the worst. I, I regret doing that. I know I've had some interviews where, I was expecting a long answer for a question and I got a simple answer for a question and it kind of had me stumbling to, you know, find the next question that's happened to me. And I hate it when that happens too. (laughs) And, uh, I met a guy at a race one time and he's a really good friend of mine now. And I said, Hey man, I got this podcast. I do. You want to come on? And he was like, sure. And I swear every single question I asked him was either yes or no answers and i was like i'm thinking to myself i was like come on man give me some details you know well, that's, it was, that's kind of that's kind of 101 right like don't ask yes or no questions yeah <laughs> right as i ask a yes or no question have you had yancy culp on yet i have not 
he uh he probably he, runs the whole conversation I'm he'll sure. do the work for you man you just got to queue up like have like three questions ready and he'll give you an hour right there <laughs> yeah i've had some guests like that too you know and i'm sitting here and i'm thinking okay i've got some questions to ask you whenever you finish telling me the story you know <laughs> but i mean i like i like the chatty guests too and the ones that are fun that have a sense of humor and it was like you were talking about chris mendoza man i he was a delight to interview I mean, I really enjoyed talking to Chris. It was like we'd been friends forever the first time I talked to him. Sure. It was, I totally enjoyed that. Now, you were talking about interviewing Joe. Just from me hearing Joe in other interviews, to me, he sounds kind of intimidating to interview. And I'm thinking, and when you think about Kyle and you think about Joe, to me, they're like two different total people, two different personalities. Like, I'm, I met Kyle at World's Toughest Mudders, and he was driving a pickup truck, helping moving people's, you know, their gear bins from, you know, the race to the parking lot, you know, driving back yeah. and forth. And we got in the truck, and he was like, you guys need to ride back to the parking lot. And I was like, sure. And I heard him talking, and I recognized his voice from either your or Matt's podcast. And I was like, are you Kyle? And he's like, yeah. And I just, and even when I was volunteering at the obstacle, he come up at the obstacle and I bet he hung out with me probably like 10 or 15 minutes, but he was helping me pour oil on it. So, (laughs) but I mean, they, I mean, Kyle just seems like this, this great guy. And I, I totally don't think Kyle wouldn't have signed up to stay with world's toughest mutter or to stay with tough mutter after Spartan buying it. If he didn't know for a fact that he was going to be able to keep Tough Mudder the way it's intended to be. I mean, that's just my opinion. Sure. So, um, I think I think as far as the difference between Kyle and Joe, I think uh, people, I think leaders attract people to themselves who are like them. I think I think that's true. It's just people like we attract people that are like us. Um, you know, our our spouse you know, tends to be like us. Our yeah. friends tend to be similar. And I think, like when you look at Joe and Kyle, Joe and Kyle, they they seem very different, but I think they have qualities that draw them to each other. Right. Um, the things that they care about are, you know, Joe's very clear on his, you know, um, ripping a million people off or hundred million people or however many million people off the couch. Um, it's got to be hundred million, right? Yeah. He's sure. got seven done already. Sure. Um, <laughs> and Kyle, Kyle won't give you the, the specific number, but he cares about fitness and camaraderie and the community and. Yeah. Um, so no, you're right. Like personality wise, they're different. Yeah, I don't, different I don't personalities, think, but the same goal. Yeah, I don't think people like that, um, you know, attach themselves to each other without having a lot, a lot in common, at least inside. Right. All right, Will. So you pretty much told me which was your favorite race. So what has been the race that you disliked the most, hated the most, or was your worst race, and why? <sighs> You know what? Let me let me go back to my favorite race. My favorite race actually was not that World's Toughest Mudder. Okay. Uh, my favorite race I've ever done was a Toughest Mudder. Uh, it was in Chicago, and it was, gosh, it had to be 2017, the first year of Toughest Mudder. Um, it was the it was the first time I was like, you know what? I wanted to, it was you had to get 25 miles in eight hours to qualify for contender status at right. World's Toughest, and. I was like, I'm going to get that. I'm going to, I'm going to train. I'm going to work. I'm going to, I'm not a runner. Like I'm not, I, I enjoy running. I enjoy having run, but I'm not like good at it. I'm not, I'll never be fast. Right. Yeah. But I was like, I need to get, I need to physically move my body 25 miles in eight hours and get over all those obstacles in time. And so I was, you know, trained for it, went to, flew to Chicago, flat course, good, good shot at it. I thought, uh-huh. and it was the last toughest of the year. And all year long, they had operation as an obstacle. And the race directors were kind of annoyed that people were just taking a penalty instead of actually doing operation. Yeah. So they made the penalty for operation a one-mile run. Oh, wow. So it added, it would add in, you know, 20% to every single lap, another mile to every single lap if you didn't do operation. And so I was like, oh, man, like, I did the penalty one time, and I was like, I can't. If I do that again, I can't. I'm not going to make it. Like, I can't do that again. And I hate operation. I hate it. <laughs> but, you know, I did it. So I had to do it the rest of the night. And uh, um, it, so 
I was, I think, finishing my fourth lap, and I was starting my fifth lap, and I was like, okay, do I have enough time? It's, yeah, technically possible. I got to run. It's got to be a fast lap, and I'm doing it, and the whole time I'm looking at my watch, like, am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? And, you know, some people would see me walking, and they're like, hey, you know, are you trying to finish this lap in time? I'm like, yeah, like, all right, let's run. So I'd run, you know, some random stranger, like, I've never seen him before. I'll, I don't know if I'll ever see him again. And I remember I was coming into the festival area, and I could, I wasn't sure exactly you know, how much time I had left. I knew it was close. I knew I had it. I knew it was, and I was going across Kong. I was like, if I make it across Kong, there's a finisher obstacle, last obstacle. If I make it across these monkey bar, monkey rings, or mo- the, you know, the rings, then, then I'll do it. And I fell. Oh, I no. like, oh shoot. So I get off the, you know, you gotta like get off this giant pad. You have to grab a sandbag. You're doing a run. And I'm like, how much, like, it's literally, there's minutes. Like, I don't know how close it is. And, I, and I'm sweating and I'm, I'm like, I'm nervous and I'm trying to, I'm trying to run with the sandbag. And I hate running with a sandbag <laughs> and I can see the finish line. I can see the finish line. I just have to finish this, you know, however the sandbag and then run it, but I don't know. And then the guy gets on the PA and he's like, we've got 10 minutes left, 10 minutes. And I'm like, and I have like two minutes left to run. Right. And I was, and we've got 10 minutes. And so I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. And it's not even that close. Like I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And I started like crying. Like I'm not even cross finish line yet. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to make it. Anyway, that was like the most emotional event at, a, at an OCR. It was just a super intense race for me, and it was just great to uh, to like work for it and to and to earn it. My worst race, um, my worst race was probably a Spartan Beast that I did in Southern California, and I was doing the Spartan on the Beast on Saturday, and I was supposed to do the Sprint on Sunday to finish my first trifecta. Right, and it was, it was really hot and I was out there by myself and I just wasn't feeling it, you know, sometimes you're just not, Yeah. but I was like, you know what, I'm going to get, I want to get a trifecta. I've never done it, you know, kind of the whole deal. And I was like, I've run, you know, just like 13 miles or whatever it was. I've run that before. No big deal. And I, I think I overhydrated. And have you ever drank so much water where you can like feel it sloshing around in yeah. your stomach and it's just <laughs> not, I don't know where it's supposed to go, but it's just not going there. Right. <laughs> It's just like, and you can feel it. You're like, oh man, and you just feel sick and and bloated. Like, and I was like, well, yeah, bloated and gassy and just. And so I, I like stagger through the race, and I'm I I probably only ran half of it, and <laughs> doing these obstacles and doing all these stupid burpees, and and I was just it was just a terrible, terrible race, right? I'm not feeling good, and um, so I'm 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 feeling like I'm going to throw up at the end of, at the end of it, right? Which isn't. You know, everyone's thrown up, I think, at a race before. Um, And so to get back to the parking lot, they had shuttle buses, like big school buses. Yeah. And um, usually after a race, usually I bring some cash to a race to, you know, buy a T-shirt or eat some food afterwards. Right. But I wasn't, I didn't want a T-shirt. I didn't want to, I just wanted to leave. I just wanted to get out of there and get to my house and go to bed. And so I had some cash on me as I'm leaving the race. And I asked the, the bus driver had a little, you know, those little black trash cans you have like an office building. Yeah. The small, short ones. The bus driver had one of those. And I was, oh, I, well, at first I was trying to walk up into the bus. My legs started cramping up, so I fall backwards out of the bus. So I have to wait for the next, <laughs> someone catches me and I have to wait for the next bus. So I'm getting in the next bus and the guy's little trash can next to him. I was like, hey, can I buy that trash can from you? He's like, how much? It wasn't even his trash can, right? <laughs> anyway, the trash can cost me 20 bucks. Shit. <laughs> So I'm holding this trash can in my lap, praying I don't throw up on the guy next to me. Huh. And did I he know it, why you had the trash can? Did you tell him like well, I got I bought this because I feel like I'm gonna throw up? <laughs> yeah, I look pretty terrible, I'm sure. But so I'm walking from the, I get off the bus and I didn't throw up, and I'm walking to my car, and all of a sudden I start feeling it like I'm oh it's coming, and so I kind of like fall off to the side, like I don't want people to have to walk through my puke. So I stagger off to the side a little bit, and you know I'm just. On like all fours, just going to town, just clearing out <laughs> the old stomach. And people are coming up behind me, like because I, I the whole bus just unloaded behind me too. They're like, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" And I'm like, "I'm fine. Leave me alone." <laughs> I got only that's the worst. That's the worst involuntary action a body can do is throw. I up. agree. Just, I hate doing it's it. It's just oh, it's the worst. I'd rather feel terrible for a day and throw up and feel better. <laughs> Were you like throwing like, up just, a bunch of goose and stuff too? Yeah, like gummies and. <laughs> And it was just water, and it was just, it was like, yeah, oh, anyway. It was just a terrible race, a terrible day. Oh, yeah, then I get in my car, and I'm driving away. i got to pull over, like, ten minutes later to throw up again. 
I was like, I'm gonna. I had a little trash can in my, you know, neck. I never actually used that trash can that I paid twenty bucks for. Right. Um, but had it next to me in the car, in the holder of them. Oh, I was about so, to say, did you keep the trash can? <laughs> I have no idea where that is, dude. <laughs> That's probably somewhere. That's like a just a memorable item. I mean, if you remember anything from that race, you'll remember that twenty dollar trash can you bought. <laughs> yeah. This probably I should look more. They probably cost three bucks to buy one of those, right? <laughs> Go to Costco, you get like eight for ten bucks. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> well, shoot, Will, man. Hey, I know I've had you for an hour, man, and I'm all out of questions, dude. Um, do you want to tell everybody like where we can find you? The OCR Report, World's Toughest Podcast. Let us know where to find you, man. Yeah, check out the OCR Report on Instagram. Check out um, wherever you listen to your podcast. Check out World's Toughest Podcast and the OCR Report. Also, look for us on YouTube. Uh, we have a great, I have a great team of guys and, and girls that are doing awesome stuff. Um, on YouTube and on Instagram, other podcasts, Offscoring Adventures, Overcoming Run, OCR Talk, part of the OCR Report family. Um, anyway, very excited. Scott, thanks for the time, man. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. And for all my diehard Spartan fans out there, like, I've been listening to Will's podcast almost since it started, and I've only done one Tough Mudder, and it was just a fun lap the day before World's Toughest Mudder. If you just want to know about the sport, he has the same people on the show that run Spartan races. And Will is, I mean, he's just the type of guy to where even if you're not into Tough Mudders, he keeps you interested in his podcast. They're very sarcastic in time at times, and it's just, it's really good to listen to. I enjoy them, even though I don't go to a world's tough, I mean, I don't go to a Tough Mudder as much as I do Spartans. I still enjoy the podcast. Scott is very kind. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about being sarcastic, but thank you for the kind <laughs> words. That's the best part about the show, man. Your sense of humor is great, dude, and I love it. You're very kind, Scott. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. I appreciate you being on the show, and uh, thank you for your time. Sounds good. Talk to you later. Later. Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Will again for taking time to talk to us. I encourage you to check out World's Toughest Podcast and the OCR Report Podcast. Will's doing great work over there, and I really enjoy both of those. Also, if you're looking for a cool virtual race to do, check out uh, Obstacle Racing Media's Ultravirus 12-hour race. It's a 12-hour race where you do five-mile loops, and then you check in on Zoom every five-mile loop. It's pretty cool. But anyway, check that out. No new reviews. If you leave a review, I'll read it. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And hopefully, I will see you at the next race, and hopefully, I'll see you soon. Peace. Okay, doing a little bit of trivia here. Also seeing who's listening all the way to the end. So, I'm going to give you a movie line. You shoot me a message, I'll mail you a free sticker. So... Here's the line. Burkhart breaks boards, Barney, like for fun. That's the movie line. Let me know what you got.